Welcome to the Equality Conversation podcast with me, Joy Burnford. This show explores what we can all do to be an ally and champion gender equality at work. Achieving gender balance in the workplace isn't about fixing the women. It's about changing the system to ensure that everyone can reach their full potential. So if you're looking for insights, guidance or advice on how to improve gender equality in your organisation, grab a cuppa, go for a walk or escape for a while and join us for today's conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Encompass Equality. We're the leading provider of practical solutions to advancing gender equality in the workplace and partner with organisations to support the attraction, retention and progression of women. We do this through research and consulting, leadership development programmes, talks and workshops and one-to-one and group coaching. To find out more and to download free tools and frameworks from the number one best-selling book, Don't Fix Women, visit EncompassEquality.com. I'm delighted to welcome Barbara Hamilton-Bruce as my guest today. Barbara is a partner and gender network co-chair at law firm Simmons & Simmons and leads on all their menopause activity. She joins me today on World Menopause Day to help raise awareness of the menopause and how supporting midlife women in the workplace can result in greater gender equality in organisations. Hello, Barbara, and welcome to the Equality Conversation. Hello, Joy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. It's wonderful to have you on the podcast. I wonder if we could start, perhaps you could tell me a little bit about your role at Simmons & Simmons and how you first became involved with the firm's menopause initiatives. So as you've mentioned, I'm a partner. My day job is legal operations director. So I lead the firm's approach to supporting our lawyers in the service that they deliver to our clients. So it's a very interesting role that I'm delighted to have. And my other interest whilst I'm at Simmons is the Gender Network that I have been part of since I joined Simmons four years ago. And it was really becoming part of the Gender Network, actually coinciding with covid and us all suddenly being thrown into these very isolated workspaces. That was the point at which menopause came up as a gender item on our monthly catch-up. And even though we were online and sort of in our safe, lonely, isolated spaces, when we got to that item, I think it was number six or seven, there was a kind of silence, a silence amongst <laughs> the group, yeah, <laughs> and I, an uncomfortable silence. And one of my colleagues said, you know, actually kind of verbalized the fact that they were feeling really uncomfortable about the subject. And I thought there was a bit of me that thought, if not now, when do I start talking about menopause? And I think I probably started to talk and may not have stopped for a while (laughs) sharing my experience and why we needed to talk. Absolutely. And so let's, let's talk a bit about menopause and how it can affect midlife women at work. We know that the impact is often underestimated. And I know from the research I've done for my book, you know, 59% of women have taken time off work due to symptoms. You know, tell me a little bit about that. And if you could just share a bit about your own personal experience sort of within the workplace, that'd be great. My experience of menopause in the workplace came as a complete surprise to me. I am one of the sort of statistic that experienced menopause early. And I think, you know, the first thing that I would say about menopause is no woman is too young to experience the menopause. 
Whereas I think perhaps when we are thinking about menopause, we tend to think about it as a, you know, an age specific thing. But in terms of the, my experience, it arrived very suddenly, took me a long time to work out that that was what it was. And it coincided with my step up into the most senior position I'd had within my career. It was a role that I had wanted and really worked hard to. And the menopause arrived as a gift that just kept on giving over and over again with no ability to return it (laughs) (laughs) to the shop. So I think in my set of circumstances and because how my experience evolved, I ended up being very unwell and actually had some quite significant physical symptoms that actually ended up requiring some surgery intervention. But I think it was never labelled as time off because of menopause. It was time away from the workplace for surgery or time away for doctor's appointments and so on and so forth. I never thought that I should put it under that umbrella of Mm. time away. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't surprise me that the number is as high as it is. And I wonder whether or not, you know, if we really scratched on the surface, it might be higher because Mm. we we're not labeling things as directly attributable to menopause. And I think you're right. And I think some people, and it's getting more common for people to talk about it, but it's still a lot of people don't want to talk about it as well. So I think this is why it's so important. And we'll talk a little bit about in a minute about how you know, how workplaces can support. So what are some of the benefits that you've seen of supporting women at this life stage or whichever life stage it might be, whether it's, you know, later on, or as you said, you know, in your situation, it was slightly earlier. I mean, I think I certainly can talk about the absence of support Mm. and the very, you know, lonely world that that creates when you're going through something like that, perhaps not understanding your symptoms, not realising the impact, the full impact of what it's having, and simply Mm. trying, certainly for me, I had children, had caring responsibilities with elders involved, at a time of life that's just complex because of all of those demands yes, on our time. Absolutely. And certainly just keeping moving forward was for me, you know, that idea. Flip that over to the other side of, you know, where I am now and being able to kind of share my experience in order to support others who are going through it. Simply giving people the space to be able to talk about this thing that is happening to them and understanding the consequences. I think also allied with the reflection on the age, what this means for us, the lifestyle and so on and so forth. I think just giving the people the ability to talk about it is a great thing. Mm -hmm. But also in a big picture, you know, no woman should have to exit the workplace because of a natural, normal thing that happens to all of us. Absolutely. And and you think back to sort of teenage life, you know, we're all going through hormones at that stage and we sort of, it's become, it's part of life and everybody understands it, men, you know, men and women uh, or genders. I've been through perimenopause, I'm going through perimenopause and I didn't really realise even five years ago that it would be something that would hit me quite so soon because you sort of imagine it's going to be somewhere out there in the future. And I think the other thing, I've got a 14-year-old daughter and I don't think, they may be starting to now think it's on the curriculum now, but it only until recently was it on the curriculum that boys and girls at school were learning about this, which is just crazy. Absolutely. I mean, my son is was in the first cohort to have that curriculum mm-hmm. introduced to them. And, you know, obviously we were talking, they couldn't help but overhear the many, many, many conversations I have about menopause. Yes. But actually when it came to it, it fostered a really healthy conversation with my son and yeah. my daughter. So it's become normal conversation yes. For, yes. for us. Absolutely. And actually it's become more normal, even when I've, I joke actually, I'm, I'm also the, um, on the board, as you know, the East of England co-op. And I've started talking, having more conversations with some of the men around the table about things like menopause or, or periods and that kind of thing. And sometimes I laugh now, the other day I was emailing three men about periods. And afterwards I thought, this is hilarious. I would never, you know, five years ago, 
they would never be emailing men about periods at work. <laughs> it's now it's now just kind of become a normal normal thing to talk about, which is great. So coming back to Simmons and Simmons, and tell me a little about a bit about some of the initiatives and activities that you've been doing around the menopause, and 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 also maybe how it's linked into the sort of the overall culture now, and not just on one day like today, Menopause Awareness Day, but throughout the year. What do you think has been successful? So Simmons. Simmons has been on a journey with regard to menopause, starting from a position where some initiatives had been tried but hadn't in the past landed at that particular time for all the reasons that we've we've just alluded to. Where we were very much is our aspiration was very simple. We simply wanted Simmons and Simmons to be a safe place to talk about the menopause if you choose to. And it's qualified in that way, but also recognizing that the conversation is is never a one-way thing. There's a broader conversation to be had in how do you equip people who are not experiencing the menopause or going through the menopause themselves to have brave conversations with people. And we are still on that journey. We we are certainly not by any stretch of the imagination done, but I think we all started with raising awareness and actually starting a little bit like, you know, if you say the word many, many times, it just becomes a word. It stops being a thing in itself. So We started off with an initiative that was very much about raising awareness, very simply educating in the way that I had to educate myself. I mean, you know, self-education and sharing that knowledge with support from a doctor and a very experienced uh, menopause nursing practitioner. And we went from there in terms of supporting our community to kind of access resources. So we have a very rich set of resources that are available to people. And then we've run further webinars and we're still navigating we were still navigating COVID at that time then talking to our clients and collaborating with our clients working across initiatives and again just thinking about starting to normalize the conversation in the workplace so in terms of I think I'm remembering your question about what's worked well so what's worked well has been garnering insights from people other than Simmons and Simmons because you do get quite a narrow view of your world we are a professional services firm legal experts based in the city of London, sitting behind a desk. But some of the work that we've done has been with people who say, well, you know, they have women in hazmat suits working in science laboratories going Mm -hmm. through this, you know, and starting to try and pivot the conversation away from simply our own environment. So that sharing has been enormously helpful. Yes, and I was going to talk to you about that, actually, the, the fact that, you know, we are in, in many organisations that we're now starting to have this conversation, but there's also, in global organisations, there's also sort of, we've got to be mindful of different cultures and different settings where people may not feel comfortable about talking about it. And have you had any particular examples of you know, of dealing with that and you know, how to sort of cross borders, you know, to sort of have this conversation? Yeah, and I, th- I think that's an absolute correct point in terms of the global nature we're we're an international law firm Mm. and I think one of the the things that I always reflect back is we started the conversation in COVID which was helpful in many ways but also what that did for me and my biggest learning I think was that you can't have a cookie cutter response to how you roll out cultural change and talking about subjects like this because the nuances of how they're received across the business in different locations everybody has a different start point so that was certainly for me one of the biggest learnings to take away and and certainly would be the thing that I would put at the top of the list for me is you have to start where you are <laughs> you can't simply say hey this has worked in the UK because actually we are quite progressive in yes. you know and I, 
progressive in what's going on in our, in our environment. I mean, you can walk into Boots, other chemists are available, and you can buy menopause supplements. That's not the truth for yeah. no. the universal truth. No, and I think there's also, when I'm talking to organisations who have global offices, I've probably given you this example before, but I think it was in Egypt and we were talking about gender equality and they said, you know, they're at the stage where they're having to put toilets in for women, never mind talking about menopause. It's like so basic, you know, having to to get to that really basic level first and starting from that point where you are. Yeah, and indeed when we were, one of the things that came across kind of my radar quite quickly was... I believe it was in Spain, they had introduced menstruation leave. Yes, yes. So it's not because we're further ahead or doing have the absolute answer to absolutely everything because mm. there are initiatives going on in other areas. So it's very much a, it's a rich pattern that you have to yeah. look across. Yeah, and that's an interesting one, isn't it, the leave piece? Because I know um, I think we may have talked about this before, but I think I, I'm not a big believer in having menopause leave as such. I'm a big believer in having well-being leave for everybody because then it doesn't sort of pigeonhole you and it doesn't make people feel like they can't if they don't want to talk about menopause they can take it as well-being leave I don't know whether you've got any any thoughts on that I think over time I mean we Simmons went with a menopause policy mm-hmm. and part of the rationale for doing that at that time is that we needed to give a really clear signposting and yeah. a policy is never going to solve all of the challenges but it was a really clear statement of intent for us I suspect over time, you know, the evolution of the well-being policy, this much more holistic, looking at employees from the life cycle, there are certain things that happen to people at certain stages over, you know, over our life. Some will have it earlier, some will have it later. I think that's sort of the evolution is what's the rounded package that you are thinking about for your employee. And I I think, you you know, you're spot on. Leave your (laughs) well-being. is an umbrella of how we exist within the in the workplace i really hope you're enjoying the conversation so far i want to take a moment to tell you a little bit more about our mission at encompass equality we're passionate about enabling the retention and progression of women in the workplace and sharing our knowledge to help support and inspire others This podcast forms just a small part of what we do. So if you're struggling to retain senior women, or if you're not sure whether the initiatives you have are working, please do get in touch with us at encompassequality.com. We have a depth of knowledge and research that underpins all the work we do supporting our clients. As you know, we produced some research earlier this year called Why Women Leave, which was based on a survey of 4,000 women, which were amazed by that response. And this looked at the factors affecting the retention of women at work. And it highlighted that women's propensity to leave their employer is not determined by personal circumstances such as age or things like menopause, which was really interesting. But it was impact, more impacted by things like organisational culture and line management, which really surprised me. But so, if, for example, women who were suffering from menopause symptoms ranked menopause as sort of the 11th most important factor. So we're not saying it's not important. Absolutely not. It's still absolutely important. But there's a clear link, I think, with culture and line managers and how that that is much more important to people about rather than sort of specific interventions we we, we feel. And I'd love to know your thoughts on that and how that kind of resonates with you? When the research first came out and I was taking a look at it, I think, wouldn't it be lovely if we were in a world where everything was really linear? 
<laughs> and we could just say a thing happened and the consequence was. Mm. Whereas I, I think that sort of ranking at number 11 is probably reflective of the fact that we can all stay and thrive in the workplace as exactly. we go through menopause and other things with the right support in place. Absolutely. With line managers who support us, with well-being policies that are, you know, structured. And you could say this for every other sort of, yes. um, I'm not going to call it category that we were yeah. in, was in the report. So I think that for me, that is suggestive that for me, my personal circumstances, menopause wasn't the reason that I left that employment, but it contributed to my mm overall decision my ability mm. to manage where I was so yeah I'm I'm not terribly surprised Joy. No, no and I think it's right it, you know my experience is you know when I've seen women thrive in you know for example in law firms in partner level law firms who maybe have four children and they might be looking after elderly parents they may be going through menopause as well but they're really happy in their job and that's because they have things like the flexibility to do their their role where and when you know, how they can do it to the best of their ability. And they have that support. They have supportive line managers and they have a culture like you, you know, talking about in terms of having the open culture where people can talk about these things and feel supported. So I think that's the, that's the real sort of message I think that we're sort of getting from that. So let's talk a little bit about that line manager role, because I know many people and many managers are men and many of these will be worried about saying the wrong thing. So I think I'd like, do you have any advice on how particularly like male line managers and sometimes female line managers who haven't had potentially bad menopause experience can become better allies to midlife women or, or younger women if they've been going through that. And how can they have better conversations about topics such as menopause? It's a really interesting challenge, isn't it, for line managers to take on board. And I think if you put it into, I think I've mentioned already, that if you put it into the category of brave conversations, there are many conversations that we have as line managers that come along that we could choose to avoid if we simply looked at them from a difficult, <laughs> difficulty rating perspective. I think, first of all, it starts with yourself as accepting that these kind of discussions can be difficult mm -hmm. if we choose to let them be difficult. <laughs> so accepting that we might be fearful of saying the wrong thing, but what's the alternative to say nothing? So in terms of my view as a line manager, my responsibility is to... I'm not there to diagnose somebody's perimenopause. Yes, yes. Certainly not. I think there's a huge amount of danger in that. But to use my understanding, because, okay, I've, I've been through the menopause and yes, I've had children, but there are lots of things that will impact people that work with me that I've not experienced. Indeed. So to be empathetic, you know, understanding of the scenario, but to create a situation where people can build that trust in a conversation and to let conversation be led by somebody else so if it's as simple as saying if you're experiencing somebody in the workplace who appears to be struggling for whatever reason is framing the conversation to give them the best opportunity of sharing with you um, yes. you can't make people share with you ultimately if they don't want to tell you what's going on behind the scenes you can't do that but I think it's creating a space of that encourages openness mm -hmm. and then an a you know an ability to listen really yeah. listen and to help sort of navigate those challenges together as opposed to solutionizing, yes. <laughs> you know, which. Yes, and not putting on, not putting your kind of answer because your wife's had menopause or something. And actually, this is how she did it. And that was, that was a great way that she's, she yeah. solved this problem. Yes. Or, whatever. Or, or those kind of sort of slightly loose statements. Well, I understand what's going on because I've got 
daughters yes <laughs> or, or a, a, a wife or a mother or all of those yeah. kind of things yeah. because yeah. I think you know focusing in on the individual's experience and what they're living through and how it's impacting mm. them because you know there mm. are something like it's almost up to 50 symptoms that can I manifest know. through menopause know. so you know, know one woman's menopause experience will be vastly different from the next yeah. Yeah. and and there are those individuals out there who breeze through menopause without barely yeah. noticing that yeah. it's passed. So, um, absolutely. I mean, just on that point, I mean, I think I had, it was about four years ago, I had very, very bad itching of my skin. And I went to see specialists and dermatologists, and there was no mention of perimenopause at all. And I think, now looking back, I think it was the start of my perimenopause because that's something that's a, a symptom that I didn't even know was, you know, that could even be linked. So, and if medical people can't even diagnose this, it's really, you know, there's no way that everybody's going to know. But I think coming back to the line managers, you're absolutely right in that kind of, we call them crucial conversations. I used to call them courageous conversations, but now it's kind of crucial conversations because it's not about, I think if you say courageous, it means that you've got to be really brave and have that bravery, um, which you do, but it's also about, you know, just they are important conversations. And also just to say, you don't, you know, you don't know the answers. And I, you know, you, you're actually, I remember having a chat to a, a trans man actually at an event recently. And I said, I'd love to, you know, understand what it was like for you to go through the menopause, because that's an area that I know nothing about. And, and just the fact I was curious and non-judgmental and actually just inquiring, it was great to hear that, hear that response. And I think that's, you know, we, as you say, we don't all know about everything. So it's no different to that. Brilliant. Well, I could go on and talk for a long time, about this, but we we do sort of coming up to the end of the session. But it'd be great to know if you've got any good resources that you can point listeners to potentially around supporting, you know, with the menopause at work. As you may know, I've been working with the British Standards Institution recently to create a new standard for menopause and menstruation at work. And this is helping organizations to develop policies and practices um, that support women experiencing menopause. And there's lots of information there. We'll put that a link in the show notes to that. And you can also look at the well-being of women and the menopause workplace pledge campaign, which both um, encompass quality. And I know that Simmons and Simmons have signed. So do have a look at that. But I wonder if there's anything else that you could point people to. So I think th- those are all really good places to start. Mm. I guess what I would just encourage is a curiosity to go beyond the sort of normal resources that you might look for. Certainly in the early days of what we were doing, it was terribly HRT focused because that was the particular sort of subject that was up. But once you start exploring outside the alternative therapies, because that, for some people, that's the route that they want to go down. But curiosity from blogs, just as you said, entering the conversation in areas outside of your own sphere, which is not a list of resources, I'm sorry, but I no, think it is no, just no, it's, it's kind of an encouragement to just be curious to yes. go outside of your Fantastic own advice. experience. I was going to ask if you have one top tip, but I think that probably... That probably says it, unless you've got another one you'd like to add. (laughs) I'll stick with that. That is great. Um, Thank you so much, Barbara, for joining me on the podcast today. And if you're interested in hearing more about how we as Incomes Equality can support with menopause solutions, please do get in touch. We can support with things like menopause awareness sessions, coaching, menopause guidelines, and training for things like menopause champions and line manager training. So please do get in touch if you'd like any more information on that. And happy World Menopause Day, World Menopause Month. And thanks again, Barbara, for joining me. Thank you, Joy. And that's it for this episode. If you like what you've heard, don't forget you can download the free tools and frameworks from EncompassEquality.com to get started and take action today, wherever you are on your journey. 
It would also really make my day if you could spend a couple of minutes to rate and review the podcast for others. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next episode. Thank you.